Hello. Hello, it's working. Hi. Myra Leal here, your host of Chiron and Gemini. Welcome. Welcome back. Thank you so much for being here today with me. I am um, quite nervous about this pod. Um, Remember to check out episode one to understand the intention behind this pod and what the name of the pod even means if you haven't checked that one out. Um, Yeah, go back and check out episode one where I reveal the intention behind this cute little pod. Um, Okay, so I'm going to just go right into this one just because I'm feeling super nervous about it. Um, Sharing about my childhood experience Um, yeah, and so essentially in AA, there are, um, there are meetings where, uh, speakers come and speak obviously and share their experience, strength and hope. Um, so in this episode, I'm going to be sharing, like I said, my experience, um, my experience, that I feel ultimately led me down the path of drugs and alcohol. Um, And I am going to break my experience, strength, and hope into three separate episodes. So definitely um, tune in to those whenever those are up. Um, So yeah, okay. Welp, let's get started, shall we? Okay, so my parents migrated to the U.S. Um, from Mexico and El Salvador. My dad is from Mexico. My mom is from El Salvador. My mama married at a very young age, um, 14 to be exact, um, to a 32-year-old man in El Salvador. Her husband was murdered when she was pregnant with my oldest sister. Um, later in life, she had another child out of wedlock, And because that was very much frowned upon in El Salvador, she was, she was told to leave El Salvador. Um, My my grandma told her to leave El Salvador. And so she left her children with my granny and she came to the U.S. where she met my dad and um, they ultimately fell in love and began a family. My brother was born, um... And then I was born, and then six-ish years later, my younger sister was born. Uh, My parents weren't um, the most affectionate, I'd say, in my memory anyway. Um, My parents weren't the most affectionate. My dad certainly wasn't, and my mama um, was a tad scary. I I was a tad terrified of her. Um, my dad took on the role of provider and he did it really well. Um, while my mom took on the role of staying at home mom, um, I feel my sweet mama had tons of trauma in her body from her early marriage, miscarriage, um, her husband's murder. And then my brother that she left back in El Salvador with my granny, was killed in a tragic car accident. Um, I was four and a half years old when that happened. 
Um, so rightfully so, I, I feel her mind was very much occupied. Um, yeah, very much occupied. And, and she wasn't taught to express her emotions or process her experiences. So, um, she often wouldn't. And, and I feel as a result of that, when challenge would arise, she would then explode and project, etc. Um, my dad wasn't much of a talker. I don't, in my experience, I don't remember him being much of a, a talker, um, with me anyway. Um, he's very, he was a very pensive man and he still very much is. Um, he worked, worked, worked tons and still works a lot. Um, for 63, he's, He's got so much energy. I love him so much. Um, and, you know, back then he worked all week, he slaved away, and then he played on the weekends. And that often created chaos at home. Um, my dad wasn't a one and done drinker. He usually got pretty wasted. So there was a lot of guilting going on at home by my mom and Lots of false promises made by my dad. I won't do it again. I'm sorry. Of course, I love y'all, etc. You know, and um, and often my dad's drinking, you know, would hurt my mom. Um, not in a not from a physical standpoint, but emotionally. You know, she took it personal. Like he must not love me. You know, because he's choosing his friends or drinking over his family. Um, I have this funny memory. Well. I guess now looking back, it's funny. Uh, my mom, we were wait. I guess my mom was waiting for my dad. From um, he was supposed to come home um, at a specific time, and he hadn't. And three a.m. I don't remember what time exactly it was, but I remember it being the middle of the night. Three a.m. Maybe uh, rolls around, and she's like, "Where the f is this man?" And so she grabs her children, and we go and search for him in the middle of the night. <laughs> We go searching for him at the bars, and I don't remember. I don't have memory of finding him, but uh, but yeah, those were some of the some of the family dynamics when I was a little baby. Um, so I share all this because I feel it played a really big role. Um, yeah, I feel it, it it played a really big role in my life. Um, my emotionally unavailable unavailable dad and my ball of fire mom, you know, sent some messages to little Myra, you know, I felt I began to create stories to cope with my parents' reactions of me and they weren't the nicest stories. I felt there was something wrong with me at my core. I felt like, you know, there was something wrong with me and, um, and nothing I ever did was good enough I felt I wasn't told I was beautiful as often as I felt I needed to to feel secure within myself in my body um I wasn't told they were proud of me I wasn't told they loved me much um in fact my dad still struggles with that one I'll say I love you and he just says me too or thank you (laughs) 
you know, and I am very much accepting of it all now. Um, I, I don't need his words to validate me anymore because I know, I know at my core that I am loved. I know that he loves me and I know my mom loves me. I really, truly do. Um, and yeah, so, uh, you know, I attached myself to these feelings that um, would come up for me. You know, I believed them to be true. I believed that what I was experiencing as a child was informing me of me, essentially. You know, like, they don't show me love because essentially there's something wrong with me type of um I think thinking was developed then. Um, yeah, so, you know, I feel my emotions were invalidated often as a child. Um, if I cried, if I displayed any type of emotion, they'd tell me to stop or I'd be punished. Con un chanclazo, if you're Latin, you know what that is. <laughs> or with the twisting of the ear. Um, so... As a child, I feel I began to shame myself for crying, for feeling any type of emotion, you know, began the um, invalidation of my own feelings. Like, no, you're, don't cry. You have no reason to be crying. Why are you crying? Or why are you feeling this way? No, that's stupid. Don't feel that way. Um, so, yeah, and I just want to I just want to say that um I love my parents and there's absolutely zero resentment towards them. Um there's only love. Um I know that they did the best that they could. Um I trust that if they knew better, they would have done better. Um but we only know what we know, you know, and so I I fully understand um you know that uh, they did the best that they could, and that's what um, they, that's how they were parented, and um, and they just were doing what they knew to do. So, I I have nothing but love for my for my cute little parents, truly. So by age six or seven, I already felt pretty damn strongly about myself. I already felt at my core that there was something wrong with me, that I wasn't lovable, that I wasn't smart enough, that I wasn't capable. I mean, I there was a slew of of stories going on at my core, you know, that um, I feel um, ultimately ultimately led me down the path of drinking and drugging myself. Um, yeah. I already had an alcoholic mind before I even knew that I was a quote-unquote alcoholic. You often hear that term thrown around in the rooms of AA. I was very much identified by my egoic mind, you know. My feelings were true for me. They were essentially whatever was coming up for me was I was attaching myself to as facts about myself. Um, and so when I started getting 
older and um, my mother started giving me a little more freedom because I failed to add that uh, my mom was extremely sheltering of me, extremely. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't have sleepovers. I couldn't play outside. I couldn't even play with my younger sister because she was afraid that I'd hurt her, um, I suppose. So I was I was very sheltered up until... 18, 19 years old. I couldn't have a boyfriend until I was 18. Um, obviously I broke tons of rules, (laughs) but for the most part, I was a very, very obedient child. And for the most part, I feel I was obedient because I didn't want my mom or dad to withdraw love from me. I was afraid to be abandoned or rejected. So I followed their rules. I self-betrayed what my little heart I betrayed myself and what my little heart desired, um, ultimately to receive a little bit of love from my parents. And so I was very, very obedient, a really good kid in school, straight A's. I was in honor courses, um, in, uh, high school and, um, yeah, graduated, um, uh, with, with really awesome grades and a really awesome GPA. And so, Anyway, I was very sheltered. And so when I got a little bit of freedom, I mean, it was game over. You know, I I started uh, drinking and I really loved the effects of drinking. I really loved how I felt. I loved that there was community and that... Um, I was loved and accepted just the way that I was, you know, um, I felt confident within my body. I felt empowered and obviously it was totally false and superficial because the moment I wasn't drinking, all of those feelings of shame and guilt and unworthiness totally would come back up to the surface. Um, And then I found cocaine at 21, I want to say, in LA. And well, that was a whole new level of feeling awesome. But obviously, again, only when I was under the influence, I felt good about myself. Um, And uh, but pretty quickly, all of this drinking and drugging myself, um, it stopped being fun and it started bringing up lots of really dark emotions within me. And I started just behaving in in very, um, very bizarre ways and, and becoming deceitful and, um, lying and pretending. And, um, I just felt really inauthentic in a lot of my relationships, friendships, etc there was like a disconnect. I, I, and I fully trust that it's because I had zero connection with myself. So I was incapable and unable to connect with others as a result of my inability to connect with me. Um, but when I was under the influence, I felt like there was a genuine connection, an authentic connection, but again, totally superficial. Um, so like I said, pretty quickly, this life became essentially unsustainable. I think, um, 21, I started using cocaine. And then a few years later, I think at 24, I was going into my first AA meeting. Um, I won't go into my strength just quite yet because that's for the next episode. But, um, but yeah, I, um, I had, experienced a ton of failed relationships by 
the age of 24 romantic relationships, my relationship with my parents was essentially non-existent. My mom was constantly mad at me, um, which is crazy because all I wanted was her love and I ultimately was just pissing her off all of the time. Um, my younger sister, or my only younger sister, Jackie, she um, she was my best friend uh, for a very long time and, and I lost her friendship. Um, and that was really heartbreaking and difficult for me um, during that time. And we've now since, you know, rekindled our friendship and she trusts me now again. And, you know, it's, you know, I love her and she loves me. I know that to be true. Um, and so anyway, you know, um, it was, yeah, my drinking and drugging totally uh, affected my life um, in a not so positive way. I had zero direction. I was completely lost, completely lost. I was completely unaware of myself. I had very little hope left within me. I didn't know what to do with myself. My heart was completely broken. And, um, and I just felt like my life was going nowhere until, until, you know, all the stars aligned one day and ultimately I, I reached out for the help that I ultimately knew that I needed and, um, and yeah, and more will be revealed in the next pod. (laughs) Um, so, you know, in closing, um, if, you or anyone you know is struggling with alcoholism with drug addiction know that know that there that recovery is available um that recovery is possible that a beautiful wonderful life awaits you on the other side of sobriety and that whatever stories you are currently telling yourself they're not true you know that's not who you are at your core your fucking love your fucking brilliance you are the universe you are the universe you know and uh once once we can remember who we really are at our core which for me you know through sobriety i was able i mean it took me a long time but i was able to return back to self um having a clear mind um you know through abstaining from drinking and drugging myself i've been able to um receive clarity and um and fully embody um my divinity and my power and my strength and you know all of my i'm i'm i know crazy but uh uh i'm grateful for for all of those experiences because again it ultimately led me back to self and um and it's really beautiful um my whole relationship i have with me now it really truly is so in closing um i love you thank you again for being here for loving me and supporting this cute little pod i really truly appreciate it make sure you stay tuned for episode three where i share all about uh, what happened next after having had a moment of clarity even when i was very much under the influence that ultimately led me down the path of rehab and um recovery i love you sending so much love thank you thank you Mwah.